It's time for the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hello, guys. And today we're here to discuss the 10th episode of the third season of USA's Colony. This one is called Sea Spray. So Sea Spray, you guys, was actually an operation that happened with our military right after World War II. We were all pretty freaked out that we might be like having some threats of biological warfare. So our military decided to, you know, go ahead and test some some different uh, bacteriums on us and sprayed it into the air with giant hoses called Operation Sea Spray all over San Francisco. So it just kind of blew it all over, Paul just to see what would happen. I'm not positive how that relates to our story, but things that relate to World War II have a way of resonating with Colony. Well, here's the other thing. How about this? Sea spray, like the actual definition of sea spray, is particles that are formed directly from the ocean, mostly by ejecting into the atmosphere by bursting bubbles at the air-sea interface. Mm. We've got people out over the ocean. We've got pod bubbles that they're in we've got shit going on above us in the atmosphere there's a lot of moving parts here ball sea spray was also the name of a pretty lame autobot from the original run of the transformers oh. he was a hovercraft yeah <laughs> he had this weird Gross, voice yeah i hate that <laughs> kind of made that with his voice That's all the time funnier than with that yeah. first sound you made well i was trying to talk and it didn't work <laughs> So I'm out of practice. No, yeah. You're barely ever sea spray anymore. Well, well you know what? You're probably right. It's probably not the World War II military no, operation It's spray. probably the Transformer. It's probably the Transformer. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. He fell in love with a mermaid. Oh, God. This whole thing. Who can possibly resist the sensual nature of the mermaid? Not even an Autobot. No, not even. Not even a man made of metal, Paul. <laughs> Okay, you guys, so you guys have followed our podcast. You guys know we don't go chronologically, but we try to go chunking through by characters and try to let you know where they stand at the beginning and the end. I would like to start with the cold open because it's because it's all new characters. Oh, my God. He's so excited. He can't even wait till I was done. Yeah. Well, you seem <sighs> done. You seemed mostly yeah. done. Well, you're done with what I was saying. That's for darn sure. Yes. All right. So cold open me, Paul. Hit us with some cold sea spray. It was very surprising. There was a couple new guys. There's twists and turns. Twists and turns. They were talking to each other like they were thinking of forming a resistance. It was like a fight club, Paul. First of all, we had like a fight club. Did you know what that song was that was playing in the background of the boxing club? Oh, I'm afraid I had kids around and I didn't have the volume up all the way. It was Metallica's Disposable Heroes. Oh, and do you know that I think that's the name of the next week's episode? Huh. What? It's all coming together. Huh. Okay. Listen well, to you doing all these impressions this evening. It's like, ha, ha, ha. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, the listeners do. They're going to speak up to you on Twitter. Y'all tell Paul how he's been saying a lot of weird stuff so far. Do not say that. But otherwise, <laughs> the... The cold open showed us that the that the guy that was at the boxing gym that was waiting for the other guy, he actually works for Kynes 
and is playing it both ways. He's playing it yeah, as a plant agent. from Kynes into the resistance mm-hmm. and from the resistance into Kynes' office. And they both know that that they have those roles, but I'm sure the resistance guys don't really know that Kynes appears to want to be their benefactor. It appears that way. I'm I don't know whatever it is up to right now. It it does appear that this is a resistance concept at a much higher level. Like this is an echelon that our sewer rat friends in LA could never have even imagined. This would be like what was it, the Vichy France government in World War II, if they had tell us more, Paul, about they, the Vichy if France government, if they had government. if they had raised their own army against Germany, which we all know they didn't do, they they didn't do that. But um, <laughs> bonjour to all of our French <laughs> listeners. Right, there are none of them. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that that would be like that. But that didn't happen. Okay, so. Anyway, there, that was worth mentioning on its own because now we have this added element. We were wondering what Kynes' game was. And interesting, a listener wrote in this week. Yeah, tell me about this listener. And this astute listener of ours. Well, he is well-read, for I one thing. I love that. I love him already. Tell me more. Is he like long walk, walks on the beach? No, he likes science fiction. Okay. Okay, so pina coladas in the house on the couch? Uh, we'll have to ask Michael that next time he writes in. Got it. But he was drawing some parallels, at least in names and activities, between kinds and um, a book called Dune. Have you heard of Dune? Yeah, you talk about it. Dune is a gigantic, generation-sprawling series of books. Mm-hmm. That uh, the very first book is called Dune, and one of the characters' names is Liet Kynes, spelled the same way, Kynes, K-Y-N-E-S. Okay. His job, or more like what his role is, is there's like a handover of the planet from one family to the other, okay? And his job is to oversee the change. Ooh. But his problem, I guess, or his what makes him interesting is that he's actually in league with the planet's native population, which neither family is aligned with. Okay. So he's he's assigned there from the imperial, you know, emperor. Whoobies. But he is basically gone native and actually has a daughter being raised as a native. Oh, and, my God. And all that. So he was drawing pretty reasonable parallels between that kinds and this kind. I love that, Michael. I super appreciate that. I'm shocked that my my Dune reader over there didn't catch it before you did. Way to go, Michael. All I got was, well, his name's Everett Kynes, and the man that played Kynes second in command, Stilgar, his name was Everett McGill in Whoa! real life. Oh my god. So it's like they just names There together. you go. I've I've reasserted <laughs> My nerdiness. Your manhood. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Well, can we get to our main folks today, Paul? Let's talk with Will. I know we normally leave our biggest reveals to the end, but but let's talk about Will because he had a lot of rebuilding to do in this episode. He really had a lot of people pissed with him and a lot of soul searching to do. And he <laughs> he's really trying. And the trouble is he's, I think he's, the bridges that he has set aflame are going to take a little more than breakfast to fix. 
Yeah, I really appreciated that this Bram conversation revolved around morning breakfast. This seems to be the the whole symbolism of, you know, getting ready for our day. We're trying to just be a normal family, right? Sometimes Snyder's in the kitchen. Sometimes it's dad. We don't really know who it's going to be, right? But what was the key this time? The bacon was burning. <gasps> mm. Well, Will has had a... Has... Do you know what that means, Paul? Well, no. We're coming to an end because it... the bacon is inedible this time. Before, at the beginning, the bacon is what got us going in this story. And now the bacon's done been burned. Well, Will has had kind of mixed success as a breakfast chef. You remember he had like that scene where he dropped the egg. He's like, God damn it. You know? That sounds just like you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what men say when they drop eggs. Oh, sad. Okay, but Bram was having none of this, Paul. None of it. He was not interested. And in fact, his disinterest in both parents ends up where he's being like the surrogate dad, completely to the point of actually taking Gracie over to Meadow's house for dinner with dad, Sal, who we finally meet. I'm so curious where Sal's going because now we didn't just see him in the distance. Like we're like meeting Sal. What this whole bit unfortunately reminded me of was when Bram, teen angsty Bram, not not the guy that we'd been defending for the last 10 episodes as having become a grown up, but teen angsty Bram, the guy that we didn't like from the first couple seasons. Okay. When he has a free pass to get into the green zone with Maddie. Yeah. And instead he runs away. Remember that? Yeah, I do. But I'm not but sure. But that put you're... him out of position with the rest of his family. So okay. I see what you're saying. And I he's could getting s- out of sync here. And I could see that happening again here. But now he's got Gracie in it too. That makes complete sense. Because his parents sense. are stirring a pretty major pot here. And they've been doing such a shitty job of keeping track of Gracie. They're going to come home and be like, uh, kids, we've got to go right now. <laughs> Right. And like they're not. <laughs> no gonna one's going to be there. Yeah. No, that's true. I And I like how you're saying that because it's sort of like in this case, it's not necessarily that Meadow like lured him over there or anything. Yeah. And so it is like he, he is just very susceptible to to being sort of sucked out of the group. And you're right. Very out of position now. So we will see what happens with Bram. I know that Katie well, that was the first up. season, but same difference. Same difference. Katie brings it up, um, you know, later about perhaps using Bram in in this group. And I just don't know that this is going to work out at all. You're right. It seems like he's going to not be in the right place at the right time. Let me course correct. It wasn't the Cardinal. It was because he wanted to fool around in that tunnel. And it was the first the girl. season. Yeah, but still, I'm, I'm going to say, but then that it was re- the same deal. It repeated itself. Yeah. I mean, I know you're talking about the chick that he was hanging out with and they went over and they got um, colored pencils or whatever. He was the with hell. the teacher on this particular thing. This is why he got caught to go to the prison camp. But it doesn't matter. He was out of position and it really screwed up his family. Yeah. You know that. what I mean? Yes. Yes. Same, same idea. So let's talk about Will and Katie and what went on with them this time. They didn't just leave the room. (laughs) Yeah, they had a massive information dump, didn't they? This was very typical of this show, which is one of the things that I do credit the writers with for keeping me guessing is Will did share quite a bit, but he didn't share everything that I thought he was going to. Well, I don't think he mentioned almost killing Snyder. 
He just got. He right. just said he talked with Snyder. Basically, yeah. Right. And well, and he he, exactly. he actually kind of dodges the Snyder thing until he has to say it. Right. True. You know what I mean. And yeah. then you're right. He does not quite go into the. He leaves the extent of of the interrogation up to Katie's imagination. Agreed. And he actually shared that Broussard's back on the block, which clearly hurt her feelings. Quite a bit. Yes. And I was really surprised that Katie didn't just like get her feathers ruffled and end up like taken off in a huff without sharing the fact that she also was concerned about the safety of the block. And in fact, that refugees were going missing. This was like, wow, that was like a ton. I mean, a season's worth of information seemed to just kind of blob right. out. For you these know? two, this was it was a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot. No sex even. No, no, Paul. They were not even going that direction. That seems like it's like kind of falling off the table, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, that doesn't seem like uh, <laughs> any anything going on in the Bowman house right now. Do you know who is also probably not having sex? At least not right now. Um, so many pithy answers. Amy and Broussard. Amy, Amy is super duper pissed with Broussard. And this is something that is a part of Will's rebuilding again and that he has to go and actually track Amy down because, you know, here's poor Broussard's getting kicked out. He can't even sleep on the couch. He's got to go out to the gutter. <laughs> That's true. Amy made it, gave an ultimatum and Broussard had, I don't know that it was a surprising response, but it was a very Broussard response. I owe him. I mean, I, I honestly think that that Amy just sort of overstepped there. Like, it's like, why can't you give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here? You know, I, Amy is such a strange cat for me. I do wonder about the fact that Broussard could have really simply said something happened with Charlie, like Charlie's not here anymore or whatever. So they, they lost a son, whatever, said something. But they saved that for Will actually going to Amy's work. I was trying to figure out if this was like a PSA kind of thing that they were layering in because Amy was like, you need professional help. You need to get medication and you need to talk to doctors. And it was kind of making me wonder if that was like supposed to be layered in there as like, I don't know, some sort of just like, if you're having trouble and you're feeling down, you should get help because there's been a lot of like, uh, if you guys are listening to this out of time with when it actually was, we've had several celebrity suicides and different things that are going on around that people are sort of talking about that. Like it's frequently on my Twitter feed where someone's like, if you're feeling down, you should call this phone number. I wondered if they layered that in because Amy hasn't had any reason to be that type of person for Will or for anybody, you know, Broussard, she could have been talking to about therapy this whole time if that's <laughs> right. what she was about, you know? Right. Right. Cause he's, yeah, yeah. He, he's a guy that, could use a guy to talk to or someone to talk to. For right. Sure. I mean, it seems like, I don't know. So did you think that that was sort of like something that they just threw out there? Because they could have resolved the Broussard, Will, Amy situation without Will necessarily having to go to Amy. Like, was there really a point to that? I think there's going to be. I think there's going to be some story event having to do with Amy. I'm not sold on Amy being all in on this the way that she says she is. Who knows? Maybe she will be. But then being involved gets her killed. And then that weighs on Will even more because he advised her to come back or whatever. I think there's going to be some story way of turning the screws on the Amy thing later. 
I totally agree with that. Well, let's talk about Miss Katie because she had a crazy situation this episode where she does hear what Will's saying about the nettiness of this block and she is ready to act. Do you think that she was right in getting in there with Miss Michelle and deciding to, you know, find the people that are on these lists? This actually felt like a pretty smart attack on Katie's part in that she did have very unverifiable leverage against her. How she said, you told me to go to the apartment. How else would I have gotten the address? You know? Absolutely. And so that would turn into a he said, she said kind of situation or that'd be two she said's in this scenario. And it would be impossible for for Michelle to really dispute it because she would have gotten the information that she shouldn't have given out in the first place. Exactly. So I was totally fine with the way that Katie did this. And I agree wholeheartedly that she seemed to like jump at the chance to get back into this kind of spy mode. And I understood where she was coming from. The whole idea of like consistently trying to figure out if this was a safe place. And that's like verbatim what Will had said in the episode too, was like, I was just trying to obsessively figure out if this was a safe place for us. And they're both like, it's not. The subtlety there, I guess, is that they were broken and they could have been working together this whole time because they were very willing to. Once they said, you want to do this? The other one was like, yeah, I want to do this. (laughs) You know, maybe it took Katie a little longer to get there because she was acting pretty true believery there for a little while at the beginning after the time jump. But uh, I mean, her husband was was really falling apart and she wanted to know why. And I think that Bruce started coming back into the mix, too. Like it breathes like new life into her. Like I I am a part of the resistance. I do have this old life that I that I actually do care about and want to be a part of. Mm hmm. Did you expect them to utilize that list in the way they did to like go track down this guy in the hardware store? O'Neill, if you will. Yep. It's wonderful that it was a guy that we had already met rather than just some random dude. Yeah, that was actually, uh, I mean, the way they pulled it off with, you know, having somebody at the back door and all that kind of stuff was really professional. They were testing the guy and they wanted to also say by having it so well orchestrated, like we're professionals also, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, and man, that guy's fighting skills, O'Neill was no joke, right? Right. But we're not going to chase you down the street. We know how this works, <laughs> you know? So, um, but the yeah, like how Broussard said, I hope they're all this good, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were actually glad that he was like pulling all his moves. So that I mean, they have a legitimate question to, to bring up with the other outliers, which is, and I assume that the resistance is going to be just chock full of, the, of outliers, just like-minded people. That, oh, yeah. That have these capabilities that are skeptical of what's going on here and don't want alien overlords anymore in the first place. Well, and like they like they described at the very beginning, that cold open about how these are like sort of like caged animals in a, in a way, like all of these people have all these amazing talents and skills and they're they're observing things and they're sort of like pacing back and forth in their cages, like waiting for an opportunity to flex their muscle, like figuratively and literally, you know, so even kinds knows like these people are coming to a point of needing to act you know Mm -hmm. well the o'neill connection pays off because they end up getting bumped into at the park and get the meetup note that says to meet up at the gym so they're finally going to get a chance to meet all these people and they needed everyone and they needed will and broussard to show that 
outliers were a thing and they needed Katie to provide the list to say the, the, that these are these are outliers and that they uh, the, it was like they needed all of that to convince O'Neill and his uh, friends that they are legit. I mean, next week may still have a little testing of the bona fides <laughs> to make sure everything's okay, but still, once they get past all that bullshit, it'll. It, this was this was super necessary to get into that group. Hey, so I have a question. So knowing that everyone knew that they were the Bowmans the whole time. And knowing that they gave Katie a job so in the middle of all this information, is there any percent chance that they knew that there would be some assembling of the outliers? And that I think the kinds opening comments have to make you think that way, have to point you toward kinds has a big, long con running here. That's that's best case scenario. Worst case is is that he's playing both sides against each other. Best case is that he is on our side, actually, but he's found a way to make it look like he's on their side. Again, with my Schindler's List uh, right. I uh, like it. comparison. So speaking of whose side is he on anyway, Mr. Snyder. Oh, that's easy. He's on Snyder's side. <laughs> Team Snyder. So he's acting like he's he's collecting information for the IGA, but really he brings in this new this not new guy, but sort of new role for this guy, Garland. He was that gray hat commander. He was so weird for me because it, I mean, I kind of get it that Snyder needed a partner and I get that they tried to pull in somebody who was like we weren't going to sort of be be distracted by him and start looking at him like he was a main guy in any way. Like Snyder was fully going to have the stage every time, you know, well, he's the brains. And Garland, Garland is, is, is like questionable. Garland is like, he's like half a brain. You ever, you ever be in a situation where you like see, say your mechanic in a suit and you're like, I didn't even recognize that that was you or something. Garland's a little like that where it's like, um, he looks pretty out of place in an urban environment like in a suit. He looks more like he belongs where we met him with the with the gray hats. I completely agree. And and he doesn't he can't hold up his conversation with Snyder. And it's almost like I don't know if this is Peter Jacobson, the way he's playing it, or if it's Snyder himself who's like he's almost like mocking Garland, like when he's like, Oh yeah, did you put that together? Like that kind of thing. Cause Garland will be like, and one plus one is two. Like he'll like like oh the Bowmans are here in the block. Really, Garland? What else did you figure out? Here's here's what I think is happening with Garland, and let's see if you agree. Okay. For one, he does need muscle. He's he he's tired of getting pushed around, and he needs someone that he he knows. And this is someone he knows. He he also needs someone with investigative skills. He's the one that grabbed the glass to get the fingerprints and could run the fingerprints and find out that one of the kind's security guys is actually an outlier who's a pretty badass guy. Right, so Delta Force people. Figuring that both of those guys are pretty badass guys. Mm-hmm. That's like the front end of why he needs Garland, right? Okay. The back end is if he gets caught, he needs a patsy, <laughs> right? Okay. So he could, he needs someone to say, that was all Garland. I didn't do any of that shit. You know, and if the IGA is ever like, 
what are you doing? We sent you to do this. We even sent you this guy. How did you wind up, you know, where you are or trying to run Seattle or with the resistance or running away on your own or all these things are on the table for, okay. for Snyder. And I think he needs a, a fall guy and Garland could be that guy. Okay. He's very right. handy for that kind of thing. Well, cause he just is such a doofus. He couldn't, he couldn't figure his way out of that. No. Right. I don't think he could at all. That seems to be the point of all the stuff that he and Garland do together, though, which is, to me, it's either finding the dirt that they need on Kynes to take him down, or it feels like that, they, that they're finding dirt on Kynes to get him to work for them, or Snyder in particular. Okay. Do you see it another way? No, I, I could see either of those happening. I I mean, Snyder, I feel like is never really working for the IGA. Like, I feel like he is trying to figure out how this block works, but not because he's trying to go make this block other places. You know, I feel like he's trying to figure it out because he knows there's going to be some weird loophole that he wants to take advantage of. You know, yeah, there's something here to learn. And that's what he's trying to do. So I do think that the fact that Kynes is willing to like leave the outliers walking around, it's enough to take Kynes down from the IGA standpoint. But I think it's enough to just have the like the blackmail part of it all, you know? Mm hmm. And that's like the key is like knowing that these other guys are outliers. It's like, okay, cool. So tell me your plan or else. It, it is interesting that all of a sudden the policy is to put outliers on ice when we know that Snyder was kind of doing the same freaking thing in L.A. when he, I mean, didn't he get Will's file when he hired him to be an investigator? Yes. Wouldn't it have said? outlier just like i mean when 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 katie got the file from michelle she opened it up and on the first effing page it said outlier it didn't say it, it, it said was the like code stamped but it was like stamped like really big across almost all the words you know see where i'm going here Some, i do like i do when was this policy to put them on ice instantly kind of just introduced since you were proxy I don't know. Do you think that people that were sent to that little prison thing and how there were pods there, is it possible that they were trying to collect the outliers there too? Could have been, but I think it was an outlier storage facility hiding in a uh, okay. uh, prison camp. We would have to go back and watch to see like when the camp was destroyed, did they did they send a ship to get everything out first and then blow it up? Because it seems like this outlier thing's a pretty big deal. Yeah, you'd think you'd want to get those pods out. Right. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. That's something we would have to definitely take a look at. Or maybe that was the cargo on the ship they blew up was outliers. Ooh, and they were shit. like, That's probably why they were so mad. Right. That makes good sense. I like that, Paul. That makes good sense. I like it. I like it. Was there anything that we feel like that we missed amongst all these various characters here that were just sort of like little like, you know, moments that that were worth noting? Nothing stands out. I think there were just like we approached it in the podcast this week, just broad strokes to understand how we're going to move forward. This episode, like you mentioned uh, uh, before we started recording, felt like a setup. And I feel like it was even a setup for a setup. Like, yeah, we're we're getting the team. We're in starting to get people in place. Right. We're getting this this resistance group of outliers organized. At the same time, we're starting to look at ways that we might be able to get to the outlier island. 
Right. We had that whole scene about the fact that there's underwater drones. Underwater drones. That was an important nugget. So so now we know you can't do that. We also learned that there were armories, three, around the city stocked with guns. Good to know. Good to know. Right. The community patrol that we see, they don't appear to be armed, right? But now we know that there is an a, a layer above of plainclothes officers that the community patrol isn't even allowed to acknowledge. <laughs> Interesting, right? Yeah, agree with that. And I assume those weapons are for them. I think that they will be. Well, because the community patrol guys like no. Bram and that other doofus with the golf shirt, like they're not. I think the gun, heat. I think the guns are for the outliers when it's time to engage them. The ones from the pods. Well, I think on paper it's for. Well, you're right. He doesn't report to the IGA, so it doesn't so I matter don't know who it's what to be doing. For, but that's but. what I think. I think it's their stockpiles. But I, but yeah. So those that was one of the little nuggets that we got. You're um, right, though, because Kynes was basically willing to let them have one armory as long as it looked like a robbery. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. So yeah, I think you're right. Other than that stuff, I did not get a lot more meat out of this particular episode. Not like a bad episode, but. It just felt like a setup episode. Like yeah. it felt like we did have to get some, you know, back together with Katie and Will. We had to kind of mend some fences with Broussard and Katie. We had to sort of figure out where we we're going to be. And like you said, Bram or Sean, as Gracie called him, which I was like, whoa, I haven't heard that Dalton name. That's right. It's supposed to be Sean Dalton. That's so weird. And he's like, oh, does Sean talk about me? I was like, who are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone named Laura Dalton would have a Sean Dalton oh as my God, a son. Hilarious. Or... Nice. But well, thanks you guys so much for listening. We only have three episodes left of Colony Season 3 and we're looking forward to it. I feel like we can feel the momentum completely gaining right now, right? It's like, ah, it's going to start getting crazier and crazier and crazier and exciting, which is always super fun to be this far out and knowing that finale's got to be dare I say explosive Paul well you know except for Charlie we haven't really seen a lot of characters die and and so far in the previous two uh, seasons of colony the people that they introduce season to season tend to tend to be killed or or something or get orange soda to the belly I've been wondering when Bob is going to come back how could Bob not come back they had spent so much time showing that he lived with the with the hospital. Yeah, I believe Damn you, Bob. I believe we're due for a Bob. I know. Let's put that prediction out there. I think Bob is going to rear his orange soda loving face coming soon. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Amy. I'm thinking uh, Garland. Um, and shit, maybe even Kinds all buy it by the end of the the season. I like it. You can add Meadow in for some emotional angst. Oh, of course. I mean, she's she, she was dead before she signed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening, you guys. Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.